This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. I just told the start out the following. It happens to be an extremely hard parsha. In the very, very beginning of it, we're going to skip through a lot. But toward the middle of the parsha, there's a whole parsha about the Be'eros, about these wells. The question is, what exactly are these? What do the wells mean, and what are they trying to do? So let's go through Parakhavav Posikitchas. It says, In Yudzayim, it says, Yilk Mishom Yitzchak, Yitzchak left there. He camped by the river of Gror, by that the, a valley over there. And he lived there. And Yitzchak sat. He dug the bears of water. He dug them in an area. How come that uh, that those bears of mine that were dug in the days of Avram his father? The Satmum Pelishim, the Pelishim had closed them up. After Avram Avinu had died, and he called the names of the bears the same names that he called to the father. So we. They found a bear mine chayim. So it says he fought by Yarivu Roi Groim Roi Yitzchak Leim or Lanu Amayim by Yikrashim Veir Eisak Yisaf Glimo. So the, the shepherds of Groor they fought with the shepherds of Yitzchak, saying the water is ours. And they called that the air Eisak because they fought with him there. That's the first one. Yachlo Beir Achavis they made a second one by Yarivu Gamalad they fought on that one as well. Yikrashma Sitna they called its name Sitna. And then Yachik Misham Yachlo Beir Achavis they made a third bear. Lo Rabu Lad there was no fights about this one. Yikrashma Rechovos and they called the name of that that bear Rechovos. Vayomer Kiata Yirchav Hashem Lanu Farina Bars because now Al-Kaddish Baruch has widened our land made us be fruitful in the land so we're able to have a little bit more. Three wells in which the, the Torah apparently feels the need to tell us about these wells and there's something going on with Yitzchak. So what's, what's, what's going on with these wells? What are we supposed to learn from these types of wells? So the Ramban says this isn't a big kavu to Yitzchak. It's not that big of a deal to be able to dig wells and for us to say such a thing. Rather, it must be a hint for something lost of love or something for the future. A Be'er Ma'im Chaim is referring to the Beis HaMikdash, the place where the living waters come from, the source of those living waters. That refers to the Beis HaMikdash. Thus, the three wells that Yitzchak Avinu was digging were the three Bafi Mikdashos. Two of them were fought upon, and in the end, they were both destroyed. The third one happens to be the third Beis HaMikdash, which is going to be, obviously, the one that's going to be given to us, us of love and everything all good. The first basin which was destroyed because of this hatred of the other nations to us. You can call that, says the Ramban, some type of idea of fighting until it was gone. And that's the first base of Mikdash in which it wasn't in fighting. It wasn't us fighting itself. It was the Rory Gror with the Rory Yitzchak. They were the ones fighting with one another. Second one, it doesn't say it was fighting. It says by Yeribu Gamalab. They just fought about it. That could be referred to Sinas Some type of Sinas between the Neisrael themselves, which is the cause of the second base of Mikdash being destroyed. And then finally, the third base of Mikdash is called Rechovos. Says the Ramban, it's going to widen our borders in which Eretz is going to become huge and that's supposed to be the end. The Kliyakar explains that ASEC is more for business purposes and that Giyar Shvichusdam Abudazara is like you'd say that there's legitimate heterim for that but the Jews got involved in that and that's what caused the first base mixture to be destroyed. Second base mixture was just called Sitna. The Sultan was involved. It was terrible for all of Yisrael and everything went down just because of that. But by the base of Mikdash lost the level by Mashiach's time, the Pasuk 
in Ishaya says, There will only be Amit and Shalom during that time. And therefore, the third base of Mitzvah, there were no fights, there's no anything, no stuff, and everything was going to be perfectly fine. So that's the Ramban, and that's the Kuyakar. And the Ramban does point out that you should never change the minute of your fathers. Therefore, it says that Yitzchak dug the same wells that his father dug, whatever he dug, he dug then Yitzchak I mean, does it as well. And that's why we interrupt this partial with this whole thing. That Esau went ahead and, and I guess you could say, was, 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 became a completely different person. He changed from who he was originally. Yaakov, you know, didn't, it didn't change anything at all. He became this, he became the same guy that Yitzchak Vinu was and that Avram Vinu was. And you might argue on the details of what Yitzchak Vinu was all about, what Yitzchak Vinu was all about, and Yaakov Vinu was all about. But Yaakov stayed while Esau changed. And that's a major difference between the two. And that's the point of the wells. To continue in the ways that they used to do and make it the way that it was as opposed to a brand new way which Esau was trying to point out. Okay. And the Rabbinu Bechaya, before we get into the real idea behind the wells, the Rabbinu Bechaya adds on that these wells were yeshivas. That Yaakovin was, was not just sitting down and making wells, digging in the ground. It's referring to actual yeshivas where he was getting out and trying to spread the word of Torah to everybody that was around there. And the water that was there was obviously a reference to Torah. What it means by the Plishtim throwing dirt on it, they closed up the wells, means they made sure that the yeshiva did not become popular. The main general of Avimelech's army of the Plishtim, the main general of that army, his name was Fichol. Fichol because the name Fichol means his P was Bikol. His mouth went according, to, went according to what everybody wanted. He was a car salesman who went up to people and said to them, you want this? I'll give you this. You want that? I'll give you that. But he closed up the shops that Yitzchak Gavinu opened up, all the wells that he opened up. He closed them by saying, we don't need that sort of stuff. We don't need to believe in God. We're perfectly fine as we are, and that's what Fichol was all about. So it was, an, it, was a, it was a real fight, a real fight between them in which at the end, obviously Yitzchak Gavinu won. Yitzchak Gavinu had one yeshiva that survived. Rehobos was the only, only yeshiva that was able to survive. The Lino Shabbat says you learn from this. You have to work on yourself on on your patience. Because if you open and then you close and then you open and you close it goes for business, it goes for yeshivas, it goes for your Torah learning. If you're learning and it's just not successful and you're learning more and it's not successful in the end, you will be successful. That's what Yitzhak is teaching you from all these parshas. But there's much more to these wells than what meets the eye. Even if you say to yeshivas it's still not the, the real shot behind the bears. What are these wells that we're concentrating so much on that Avram Binu had to do it, Yitzhak had to do it, had to do it, but Yaakovinu didn't. Yaakovinu did not make any wells that we know of. Yaakovinu didn't do anything. The only thing that we know of when it came to a well is that he took the rock when Rachelimin was trying to go and get the water from the, from, from the well to feed her sheep. He took the rock and threw it off the well. But the well was already dug. Yaakovinu didn't dig anything like that. So what was the point of the wells by Avramino and by Yitzchokinu? So there's a Malvin. And the Malvin to start off says very practical aspects. There's Shefa in Shemayim, where Kaddish Baruch wants certain things, certain ideas of Parnassah to come down to Olam Hazah. The only way to open up that Shefa and to bring down that Shefa is by opening up these pipes, these Sinoros, these pipes that come straight down. Unfortunately, sins, Chatoim, cause the pipes to be clogged. So there's no way for the Shefa to come through and we can't improve, we can't do anything because those pipes are now clogged up. There's nothing we can do about it. So what does that Kaddish Baruch do? He gives us the ability to daven, to learn, to do certain things that 
unclogs the pipes. It's like pouring Drano into the pipes, just backward, upward. So that the pipes are now clear, so that the tefillos that we have can go straight up. They can go straight up. That's the concept where the Chabot Chaim says that Lashon Hara causes the pipes to be closed. That's what he mentioned in the Shemir Salashon, that no longer can your tefillos go up to Shemir Salashon because your Lashon Hara closes it up. Because that, that idea of Lashon Hara is like filth inside the, inside the filter. That's the idea behind it. And you can't, you, you can't filter out what you want to say. You can't filter out your tefillos because there's already so much gunk in there. There's nothing to do. You just have to clear it all out. That's the idea of what Lashon Hara is able to do. So the Malvin said that doesn't just affect our physicality and our gashmis and the good things we have in this world. It affects our ruchnius as well. Yitzchak and Avram were opening up Shefa. They were opening up different wells in order to allow more ruchnius to come into the world. To make the world more spiritual. Avram was extremely powerful. We know what he did. Causing God to be known in the world. Manifest within the world. But it was more than just that. The fact that he had these wells coming down, he was opening up the ability for people to think straight. People couldn't think straight. They were looking at it. They were just, they couldn't understand, like, what? Is that what we're supposed to do? Is this what we're supposed to do? They couldn't understand what was the right thing to do. I mean, open it up for them. He opened up the world by davening that the Shepha, those Sinoros, should open up so that they would, they would have the ability to have, become spiritual, so that they'd have the ability to become more Rukhni. That was what Avram Avinu did. But the Plishtim, as well as the Mitzrayim, as well as Sodom, as well as all the people that lived around Avram Avinu, and obviously Nimrod, closed them up again. They kept throwing dirt back on it. They kept clogging up the Sinoros again and again. But Yitzchak Avinu was unbelievably powerful. We know the media of Yitzchak Avinu is Gevura. Gevura is strong strength, absolute strength. And he made a well, and although it took him a little bit to be able to fight the Gevura of the Plishtim, remember the Plishtim, as we said last week, is a Gevura on its own. It's a different type of Gevura. It's giants. The giants come from the Plishtim. Golias and Yishvi Benov and the other giants, Madon. That's a different idea of Gevura. He fought the Plishtim to make sure that his Gevura ruled over their Gevura, so that the Tzinoros would be clear. And once he cleared them out, and he made Rechobos, he made a Tzinor that went straight down, he was able to bring some type of Shepha, some type of Ruchni is down to the world that would never be clogged up again. Now you might be able to put a rock on top of that Tzinor, but you can never clog up the Tzinor. All you have to do is roll off the rock, take away the rock, and all of a sudden the Shepha comes right back down. And that's what Yaakovinu did. He didn't dig a well. No need. Yitzhakovinu did that for him. Yaakovinu, now all he had to do is roll off the rock, and then everything was good in the world. There, were all, there was all the Ruchnias you could need inside the world itself. That's the concept of what we're dealing with. That is offer the Gashmias, your physicality, your coarse physicality that doesn't allow you to think clearly, that makes you think one way and not the other, the, the way to get rid of that is to roll off that rock, take away the rock, which obviously is a reference to learning more, davening more, and that will allow you to open up that Sinor that Yitzchak you know, opened, and that's the shot why. The only reason why we went into Gullus and we weren't killed by the base Mekdash is Dishus Yitzchak. That's the reason why the Asid level we're going to be saved, Dishus Yitzchak. That's what all the Neforshim say. And it's from this, it's because he opened up that Shepha, he made the air that worked, that lasted for all time, and Rehoboth lasts for all time. And the Chirusha Rim says even more poignantly, poignantly, I don't know how to pronounce it exactly, but there's a G in there somewhere, but the Maitha Avos Simulavon, that everything that the Avos did was something for us, for us to be able to go. It's all to affect us in our Inyani Awamhazah, and, and the idea of starting to help us see the MS. A little bit like the Malvin, but a little bit different. He says the following, Yitzchuk Dug, Right? What he did was he removed all the dirt and attempted to bring everything that the Avos did, meaning allow the Avos to have something in this world that would last forever. But he was only partly successful. And this is the difference between him and the Malva. Asik and Sitna 
he says, according to Kedusha Rim, stand for days of the week. And the Svatamis explains it a little bit better. But says the Kedusha Rim, Asa can sit in our days of the week. Meaning, there's fights going on during the week. It's not clear during the week. You're not spiritually uplifted during the week. Even if he sings Miros during the week, it just doesn't feel the same. It's not like a Friday night oneg. It's not anything like that. It's not like a Shalashudis when you're sitting together and you're saying Tibri Toto. It's not like that you can't have that even on a Thursday night, even on a, even on a Mose Shabbos. It's not the same. There's Shabbos and there's the days of the week. The days of the week is Asik and Sitna. When you're dealing with so many things and you're fighting so many different issues, that's one. Rehobos is Shabbos, says the Kedush That's what Rehobos stands for. What Yitzchak set out to accomplish is that even though it's hard, you can still find a Kedush Baruch Hu during the days of the week. He still dug a well, granted the police and throw more dirt on it. So it's hard to find God in the middle of the week, but you can still find the original place where that well was. Rehobos, Shabbos, you definitely could find it. There's no one that can't find any type of Ruchnias on Shabbos. There's no way you can't find a Kedush Baruch Hu because the Kedush is inherent. The ore is flowing. The lights are flowing down. That's the concept the Yitzhak was about. Yitzhak's whole life was about Kedusha. For the past two weeks, we've been going over the Kedusha of Yitzhak and the power that Yitzhak had. He could have very easily dug the Shabbos one, Rehobos, before any of the others. But he didn't. Because he wasn't doing it for himself. He was doing it for us. And he's trying to show us that there's something. If you work your way up, then you'll be able to bring yourself to Rehobos. And it's not just you going to Shabbos and then all of a sudden Shabbos becomes special. If you have to work during the week, you have to put up a fight during the week. And if you put up a fight during the week, then in the end, Shabbos is Rehobos. In the end, Shabbos becomes something. If you don't put up a fight, Misha Tarach Erev Shabbos, Yochol Shabbos. If you work on Erev Shabbos, then you'll have food on Shabbos. If you don't, you're like that ant who didn't work during the summer. You got nothing. You have absolutely nothing. That's the Aesop's fable that goes into the Midrash Chazal, as obviously the Midrash Chazal comes first. But the concept of you will only get something if you work for it beforehand. The Mejilach says a different idea, the Ishpitzer. He says the idea of the following. He says the purpose of the bears is supposed to make a heifer between us and the other nations of the world. Yitzhak tried to make B'nai Yisrael separate in three different ways and say, this is ours, and the nations will not have this whatsoever. The first attempt that he made was Asik. Asik is to be Osik Bitoru. That was the original idea that Yitzhak wanted. The Torah should be ours, B'nai Yisrael's, and B'nai Yisrael's alone. And no one else would have a shaykhist to the Torah. It would be ours for us to be able to learn, for us to believe in HaKadosh Baruch our Amunah, our Torah, our everything, and they would have no part of it. They wouldn't be able to touch it. It wouldn't be theirs at all. We know that historically that's, that's not what happened. The Goyim took the Torah for themselves and said, no, 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 it's not your Torah. It's our Torah, and now it's time to change it. And now we'll change it into something else. Whether it's Islam or Christianity or anything else, but it changed just that much. That there was a little bit of a difference between what happened before and what happened hours. That was the first thing. The first thing that Yitzhak asked for, and he was denied. It was denied. The police from came and poured dirt on it. They said, no, it's our Torah. It's our well. They argued and said, our well. It's our, the wording specifically is, lanu hamayim. The water is ours. And we all know water is Torah. The water is ours. The Torah is ours. We don't want the Jews to have the Torah to themselves. We're going to keep the Torah. And they poured in dirt. They made their own perushim for it. They added on their own parts to that Torah. They made the Quran. Or they made the New Testament. They added on for themselves. And they grabbed that Torah and took it for themselves. And Yitzchak was not successful in keeping the Torah only for B'nai Yisrael. To keep it specifically for B'nai Yisrael. The second was Avodah. Yitzchak's Avinu, Yitzchak Avinu's idea was, 
korbanos should only be given to HaKadosh Baruch Hu from B'nai Yisrael and davening, praying to God is specifically ours and not the other nations of the world. That they should not have our forms of prayers. They should not have our forms of korbanos. And again he was denied. The Goyim said again by Yerivu Gamalehel. They fought on this as well. And they didn't say they were going to take it for themselves and keep it forever. They didn't. They allowed Jews to bring korbanos. But they wanted to bring korbanos also. And they took korbanos for themselves as well. And they can even bring korban in the base of Mikdash. It's not exclusive in that way. And they can pray as well. They might have their own prayers, but they're still allowed to pray. They're still allowed to do these types of things. And then it was the second thing that he tried to do that again he was denied. But the third thing, he kept and he kept for himself. And that he asked for Yisurin. HaKadosh Baruch will allow us to have Yisurin so that we'll get our punishment in Olam Hazah and not get our punishment in Olam Haba. And the non-Jews of the world, the other nations of the world, said, that's not for us. We're not going to take that. The other, Jew, the other nations of the world said, no, 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 we're not taking any Yisurin. Give us all the good in this world, and I don't care what's going to be in the next world, but give us everything here. While the Jews said, give us everything here, all the punishments we need here, and don't let us get it in Olam Haba. That's the Yisurin, and that's Rechobos. Rechobos means Rochav Mayam. It's the widest thing you get. In other words, if you have Yisurin, ask anyone who's been under, you don't want Yisurin, obviously, but anyone who's been under a tremendous duress will tell you that it's made him into the person that he's in today. He is now the person he is today, and you're happy for it, because everybody knows that the person you are today is the person that you're supposed to be. You might have to work a little bit harder to become better in the future, but right now you're happy with where you are. You wouldn't trade your life for any place. No one in the world you would trade for. But those problems, those Yisurin, is something that every Jew wants to have, so that we know there's a purpose for them, there's something for them. It leads you into something. That's the idea behind it. And the concept of those Yisurin, whether they're small, whether it's banging your, your, your hand down at something and hurting your hand, breaking your nose, or anything. Just the fact that I, I fish in my pocket and I, oh, my keys are in my other pocket. Just that. That's Yisurin. Any bit of Yisurin, Jews accept as that's something from a Kodesh Baruch and a sign, and it's going to save me from something. Well, they did not want that for themselves, and non-Jews of the world wanted nothing to do with that. It sharpens our minds, it makes us consider our base motives and what we're trying to do, and makes us lengthen our days and widen our hearts. That's the point of why it's called Rechobos. That's the Meashiloch. Okay. The Chidah says that the Kokos Atum are very involved here. Asek, which was the name of the very first, the very first one, is Asov, that's the Ayin, and then the Shin Kuf stands for 400. Shin is 300, Kuf is 100. That's 400 altogether for the 400 men that Asov brought with them to meet up with Yaakov Avinu. 400 is also the Gematra of Ra Ayin, evil eye. It's also the Gematra of Ephron without the vav. When Ephron finally does the deal, he does it. That's why it was 400 shekel ketep that he asked for. The concept of what he was trying to do was trying to bring in Tuma into that area. It's even why we say Kadosh in our davening. Because Kadosh is the Kuf and the Shin with in between them separating the Kuf and the Shin, the 400 from being there is a Dalit and a Vav, which is a shame of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So says the, the Chidah, that's the purpose of what we're doing. So the, the idea of what we're saying by Esav, Esek, I'm sorry, is supposed to be that Esav, which is with his 400 men, are coming and fighting, and we're trying to knock that down. By the way, just I, as a side note, I think this is the reason why Esav is always known as Kash. 
and Yosef is known as the Lahava. It's in the Haftorah that we mentioned by, I, I think it's even in this week's Haftorah, where, where Esav is the cash and Yaakov is the Lahava. The Pshat is he was the cash, he was the straw, right? We burn that straw. Cash is Kupshin, that's the Gematria 400. That's the idea of what we're calling him and why we're called the Lahava is because of the fire, the brand of Torah, that's the idea behind it. Sitna, the second one, that stands for the Satan, obviously. Shema Sitna is Shmama of the Satan. The destruction of the Satan that the Satan is able to bring about. Now, Rechobos, Rechobos is the Gematra without the, the Vav as it's written in the Pasuk. Reish Ches Bez Vav Tav is 616. The Pshat is for the 613 Mitzos and the three Amudim that the world is Omidan, Torah, Avodah, and Gemilus Chasadim. That's what it's supposed to be. That if we do those things, and then everything works out well. And if we don't do those things, and obviously it doesn't, that's the idea of what Rehov is supposed to be. But an even better idea. Rav Chasko Abramsky points out, regarding these behaviors, he says the following. He says, the yeshivas built up in World War, after World War II, in Eretz Yisrael and in America, those yeshivas is a kiyum of these psukim. That's the Maizah Avos Similabana. What do you mean by that? Yitzchak Avinu dug the same wells that his father Avram made, and then he called them by the exact same names. The Mir Yeshiva is named after the Yeshiva's Mir in, in Europe. The Panovich Yeshiva is Panovich from Europe. The, the, the Slobodka Yeshiva is based on obviously Slobodka. You have Tell's Yeshiva that it's based on Tell's. All these yeshivas, they kept the same exact names. They were all the European Rabbanim. That after the yeshivas were destroyed, and you could think they gave up. Like, well, there's nothing to do. We, we've lost everything in Europe. What can we do now? They rebuilt their yeshivas. They dug the exact same wells. And they put the same names on them. They called them by the same names that they were in Europe. That's the pshat. That's the idea of what Yitzchak Avinu was trying to do. And that puts together the Rabbeinu B'chayel together with this idea of what these wells are supposed to stand for and what they're supposed to do. You should know the Sabbath Slobodki used to say that now we have a globe, and on the globe you see like big dots by New York and by Chicago and by LA, and then, you know, smaller dots by Denver and Cleveland and Houston and Miami, smaller dots, and then even tinier dots. If you really look hard, you'll be able to see maybe Springfield, Illinois, or you'll find Madison, Wisconsin, or like these little tiny cities. So says says the Sabbath Slobodka, in the future our globe is going to be completely different. It's it's going to show all the yeshivas, where the yeshivas were back in Europe, in America, and all over North Africa, Asia, and even China. All the different places where Jews have been, the globe is no longer going to mention all the cities where people live in and how many people are there. It's going to show the yeshivas, and where the yeshivas were and where the Torah came from. And said, it's even more, it's said even better by, by what Ravelli Lopian, who's the yeshiva, the yeshiva called Kfar Hasidim. He said, nowadays you look at a map and you see Kfar Hasidim as a tiny little dot compared to Haifa. In the future, Kfar Hasidim is going to be a huge dot, and there's going to be a tiny little dot for Haifa. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be the exact opposite. There's Tiprach versus Be'er Sheva. Benebrach versus Tel Aviv. That's what it's going to be like. The new globe is going to be a completely different globe. globe. That's the idea. And to end off, that was all the Be'eros. Now, let's get into this idea of Rivka. Rivka Minu did something crazy. He did, she did something absolutely crazy. She told Yaakov Inu to literally sacrifice his life and to be over on all the clothes in order to get a bracha from Yitzchak Avinu. And for what? For what? What was she gain? What was he gaining? What did he need this bracha for? If Yitzchak Avinu thought it was so important for him to have it, he would have gotten it. What was she doing? At the end of the day, what did Yaakov Avinu need this for? If he wouldn't have gotten the brachos, we never would have had money? 
Was that it? What was she doing all this for? It's an obvious question. It's one that's answered by so many people. Beyond the amount, as the Gemara says, if I had as many quills as there are reeds in the marshes, if I had as much ink as the sea has water, right, and as much paper as we have dirt in the in the ground, you still wouldn't be able to come up with all the answers that people have given for this question of what Yaakov Avinu and Esav, what the argument was about, what Yitzchak and Rivka, what their machlokis was. There's, there's a ton of things over here. But here's an idea. Esav had one koach in his favor. That koach was kibudah. There was nothing else that Esav did, but his kibudah was tremendous. Mida keneged mida. He couldn't give pain to his father. So you know what? Mida keneged mida. Yitzchak couldn't find out from Shemaim that Esav was bad. Why couldn't he find out that Esav was bad? Because that would give him tsar. If Esav spent his whole life trying to make sure that his father wouldn't get tsar, Mida keneged mida. HaKadosh Baruch wouldn't let Yitzchak get tsar because of Esav. That's why Yitzchak never knew. Yitzchak couldn't know that Esav was bad. That was Mida keneged mida. It's a brilliant move on Esau's part. It's the one thing that stopped him from being cursed out by Yitzchak. The one thing. Because if he, if he was really bad, wouldn't Shemayim tell me? Said Yitzchak. And Shemayim couldn't. Because Esau was so good at keep it up. That was the whole point. So Rivka said the following. Yaakov, there's only one thing that can knock down this koach and allow Shemayim to give Yitzchak of, you know, a nevuah. There's only one thing you can do that can allow this nevuah to come down to show Yitzchak that Esau was evil. What's the only thing you can do? You have to destroy Esau's kibbutz of. How do you destroy Esau's kibbutz of? By being moser nefesh for your kibbutz of. When there's mysterious nefesh involved, in any way, shape, or form, you can destroy anyone else's chutz. Your mysterious nefesh takes down everyone else's. Similarly to Avram, who's by Yashkem Avram Baboker, compared to Bilom's by Yashkem Avram Baboker. Avram was willing to sacrifice his own kid, that mysterious nefesh, defeated the mysterious nefesh of Bilom, of Yashkem Bilom Baboker. The concept of, because I'm willing to sacrifice my own life, said Avram, I'm able to defeat the fact that Bilom got up early in the morning. That's how powerful mysterious nefesh is. If it's used correctly, then it's unbelievably powerful. So Rivka said to Yitzchak, Yaakov, get up, be most nefesh. And if you do it correctly, if you do it in the right way, you have no idea what you're going to be able to accomplish. You're going to accomplish things that are so huge, so huge, you're going to knock out the Malach of Esau. Now listen, he did exactly that, right? He fought the Malach of Esau, and he defeated him. He was able to defeat Esau. He was able to take the, take the brothels away from Esau. So that, granted, it was a sakana. Granted, it was a sakana. But because Yitzchak Avinu honestly thought that Esau was greater than Yaakov, Yaakov had to take it away and show him through Shemayim by knocking out the Mida Kenegamida, by knocking out the Kibbutz, that I'm greater and I deserve these brothels more. That's that. But hold on a second. What was so dangerous about it? What was so dangerous about him taking this? And then it see answers, granted, Yitzhak Avinu always thought that Yaakov would get the brachos in the mail. The brachos would come to him in the mail because he learned. He didn't need this. But Esau did. So Rivka came along and gave him shnei gidiei izin. Now it's a strange word, shnei. Usually the word would be shnayim. Or shtei gidiei izin. But shnei is a reference to another two goats. The two goats that are brought in Yom Kippur. Says in Etziv, there's a medrash that says, the two goats that you brought, one will be for now, and one will be for lost at level, Yom Kippur, when you bring a seer lazazel. Well, what in the world does that mean? 
What is this? Sir La Zazel on Yom Kippur. I mean, granted, they're both goats. Two goats and two goats. And it says Shnei by both of them. But what's the comparison between Yom Kippur and these two goats over here? And this is a tremendous shot. I first heard this shot by a person whose name was Jorgen Bick. It's a real name. B-Y-K. Who is a father-in-law of one of my, one of my good friends. Still one of my good friends. And he told this to me. I was at his house and I didn't believe him. I said, that absolutely can't be. So I went to the shoal. He lived in the Wolfson Towers. I went down to the Groshol to go check it out, and I found it in the Herak of Dover, in the Nitziv. And I've never been able to say it out because I never really, I've never done the Nitziv. But now that I'm doing the Nitziv, this is one of the most unbelievable shops. Says there's such a concept of an avera lishma because every midah in the world, no matter how bad it is, can be used for good. It can be used for good and it becomes something great. If used properly, you can use every midah for good, whether it's kats or taiva or gaiva. If used correctly, it could be good. The problem is, is that it's a very slippery slope. If you use it incorrectly, it can throw you right down into the abyss and you can go straight down. You have to use it correctly. How do you use it correctly? You have to have a proper rope meaning someone who's poskening for you, telling you how to use it and how not to use it. Don't mess this up. And if you do it correctly, using the Avera in the right way, doing it in the right way, it's not an Avera really, it's using a Midah that's improper and using it properly, then it becomes a Mitzvah. And not only a Mitzvah, it becomes even greater than a regular Mitzvah. That's called an Avera Lishma. The example given in the Gemara for such a thing is Yael and Sisra, where Yael slept with Sisra, the general of the army during the times of Devorah and Barak slept with Sisra in order to kill him. The Gemara asks, how could she do such a thing? She, she got a no from the Misa. And the Gemara answers, no. Such a thing to Yael was despicable. To sleep with such a tummy, disgusting human being. She never wanted to do it and it was worse to her than anything else in the world. She never had a havamin of having any anna. It was disgusting for her. So therefore she got no anna. And it's a pure avir lishma. And the Gemara says she's greater minasham ba'ohel. From the woman of the tent. Says the Gemara she's greater than Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. Yael. For doing what? For killing a man after sleeping with him. That's what she's greater than the imahos for. It's such an unbelievable concept. That's the power of an Avera Lishma if done correctly. But again, if used incorrectly, it's so dangerous. Rizkimenu paskind, that Yaakovinu had to lie, had to give a shekher, had to give a little bit of shekher here, had to mix it in. And Yaakovinu, the man of MS, said, I can't do it. I can't use a meter improper. I can't use an improper meter. I can't do it. There's no way for me to be able to use this. And Rivka Minu said, no, it's, you must do it. This is the time and this is how you have to use it. And she told him, as long as you get no anna from it, no benefit from it, nothing bad will happen to you. Nothing bad will happen to you. It'll be fine as long as you keep yourself out of it. So Yaakov went in and he lied with shame Shamayim because the Gedola Hador paskin for him that he had to do such a thing. The Gedola Hador paskin, you have to lie. So he said, fine. If I have to lie, I'm going to lie. And he went ahead and did it. And everything was fine. And even when Yitzchak realized that he was fooled and he got upset, Yaakov was dying on the inside. He said, Oh, Yibay, I can't believe I just did that to my father. And everything would have been fine. This Avera Lishma would have been perfect. Except for one little problem. The measure says, Chazal tell us, that because there was a Tza'aka Gedola from Esau, Esau called out loud, he cried out loud and screamed, Why did you do this to me, Akash Baruch Why did you do this to me, Yaakov? Since he called that out, Yaakov was punished. Why? Because although he wasn't happy that Yitzchak Kavina was fooled, he was darn happy that he got Asaph. And he smiled just a little bit. And he said, I've got you back, Asaph. 
for everything you've done, for all your hypocrisies, for all your, your shady business, I finally showed you that I'm better than you. Finally did it. That tiny, tiny little bit of anah, that little smiles, the Gemara in Sota Yud Gimel says that when he died, he smiled. When Esau's head was chopped off by Chushim Ben Don, Yaakov Vinu, on his deathbed, smiled. Many his deathbed, he was dead. Before he was buried in Mars Machpelah, he smiled. He smiled. The shot is that little bit of anah says in its is, knocked him down. And that caused Golos Labanov. Had he not smiled, had he not gotten any anah, Averil small. there would have been nothing wrong. There would have been nothing wrong and everything would have been good. But he smiled. That was a problem. He was punished for it. He caused such huge things for Claudius. Golos came from that tiny little bit of anah and it shows us you should never get yourself involved with an Averil small. If a Gavil Paskins it, you have to follow it to the letter of the law and if you deviate even a tiny little bit, it, it, look what happens. 400 years of exile, which led to Golos Mitzrayim, and then Golos Babel, and then Golos Maven Yavon, Maven Paras and Maven, then Golos Yavon, and then Golos Adam. 2,000 years. From that one little smile, it's an unbelievable line. Unbelievable line. That Yaakovin was punished for such a thing. But that's the concept of what an Avir can do. While Yael didn't smile at all. No Hanan the least bit, and therefore he was rewarded. So summary, that the arrows who went through the Ramban and the three Batei Mikdash, Rabbeinu Bakaya and the Yeshivas and Gerim, the Shefa that's brought down according to Malbim, the days of the week versus Shabbos by the Kedusha Rim, the Meashiloach and the Midos we get through Yitzchak, which only lasted with Yisurin, the Chidah and the Kokos within these arrows, meaning the Satan versus Rechovos, which is 616, the number 616, the Remez to our Yeshivas today from the, the Saba Mitzvah, and then Yaakov's mysterious nefesh to trick Yitzchak and Esau and his Avera Lishma and subsequent Onesh. That's the summary of today. Shkaya, guys.